I want you to know this, that I, I take who comes to speak at Calvary very seriously. And there are very few people who I would invite to come and be a ministry guest at a time when I'm away. However, our special guest this morning is just one of those people. I've known Phil Schmidt for quite a few years and appreciate who he is, a, a man of character, a man of integrity, a, a man who functions, I believe, with a wonderful anointing. Additionally, Phil represents a ministry that is very dear to Jody's and my heart. You see, for a number of years, uh, we have been a contributor to Latin American child care, and we are so grateful for what they do uh, to impact the lives of so many thousands of children. And so I, um, I am very excited and very appreciative that Phil Schmidt can be with us today. And I know this, I know that he's gonna challenge your heart. I know that he's gonna encourage you. And I know you're gonna hear great things of what God's doing through the missions ministries of Calvary and also an opportunity for you to have an impact in missions as well. God bless you. Phil, thanks so much for being here. Have a great day. Listen, I'll see you next Sunday with a very special message on One Nation Under God. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks, Phil. You guys have a great day today. God bless you. What a wonderful opportunity it is to be here today and to uh, have the opportunity to stand in this place. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Even though you're not here, thank you for your confidence and your uh, uh, opening the door. And uh, it's, it's a great day today, isn't it? Hallelujah. For me, mis amigos que habla español, Dios lo bendiga a todos. If you guys didn't understand that, that means that you have yet to learn the heavenly language. I tell you what, we are, just want to let you know that we are continuing to pray for Orlando and uh, the events that have happened in this city. We know that even though things that happen are not good, that all things can work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And we just pray that God will open up doors of ministry to speak into the lives of literally thousands and thousands of people. You know what? That happens when the church becomes the church. When the church begins to reach out outside their four walls, God begins to open up the, the doors to, to minister to, to hurting people. And we know that God is going to continue to do that uh, here it, at Calvary and in, in the Orlando area. Latin America Child Care is a ministry, if you're not familiar with, Latin America Child Care is a ministry that has over a 50-year history. It was started in 1963 in the country of El Salvador by a man by the name of John Bueno. John was pastoring a church there in El Salvador at the time. God had blessed the church. God had begun to expand. In fact, before John left to become the executive director of World Missions for the Assemblies of God, the church had grown in not only the mother church, but the, what we call in Spanish, the, la iglesia hijas, the, the daughter churches to over 20,000 people. But God was speaking to John one night. It was late at night, and he was going through the, the, the empty streets of San Salvador. And uh, at that time, at night, everything just kind of shut down. It's a little bit more lively today at night. But uh, he was stopped at a stoplight, waiting for it to turn green. And out of the shadows of the night came this little boy of about eight years old. It's about 11 o'clock at night. He had three newspapers under his arm. 
And John knew that that little boy was not going to be able to leave the streets until he sold all of his newspapers. Now, who in the world is going to want to buy a newspaper at 11 o'clock at night? It's old news. The new newspapers are getting ready to come out in just a few hours. So John rolled down his window and he called the little boy over. He bought all three of those newspapers. And a big old smile came to his eyes, to his face, and he went back into the shadows of the night. The very next day, John happened to be at that very same intersection. This time it was in the middle of the day, it was bustling, cars all over the place, street vendors all over the place, and he looked and he saw that same little boy with another stack of newspapers under his arm. And he knew he could call that little boy over and and buy all the newspapers, but tomorrow he'd be there again, and the next day he'd be there again. And he asked God, he said, God, show me a way that I can equip the children that are living in poverty to not just meet a need for today, but to transform their lives for, the, for eternity. And over 50 years ago, God dropped the vision of what is now Latin American child care, going into areas of extreme poverty, alongside a local church who has a vision to, to help that community. And in many times, there is no educational opportunities for those children. And so alongside that local church, open up a school where that that child can come and they can have a quality education with teachers who love them and care about them, share the good news of the message of Jesus Christ with them and transform their lives for eternity. And fast forward 50 years later, we are now in 21 countries throughout Latin America and the Caribbean, over 300 projects that we work with partnering with. And tomorrow morning, over 100,000 children will have the opportunity to go to school because of the ministry of Latin American Child Care. In our history, almost 2 million children have had the opportunity to go to school every day. They're not just taught about math and science and and all the things that, that children learn in school but we'll pray for them and tell them about Jesus and the desire to have a personal relationship with them. And at the core of everything that we do is giving the chance at hope to a child. We give them, as I said, a wonderful education, many times feeding programs and medical attention, and of course the message of Jesus Christ. Our desire is that they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Children like a little boy by the name of Miguel Ovalle. Miguel was born to a mother who was a prostitute growing up in the country of the Dominican Republic. Not far outside of Santo Domingo, the capital of La República Dominicana, is a town called San Pedro de Macorís. And San Pedro is a, in fact, they call it the La Cuna del Baseballeros. A lot of the baseball players that come out of the Dominican Republic and begin to play professionally in the United States got their start in this town called San Pedro de Macorís. But Miguel was born in, in this community and his mother was a prostitute. He didn't, for a while didn't even have any kind of relationship with with his father they knew who his father was but it was a john of his mother 
a client of his mother. And his dad already had 12, 13 kids already and didn't want to take care of another one. And his mother tried to care for little Miguel for several months. When he was seven months old, his mother decided to take him to his grandma's house and asked his grandma if she would babysit Miguel for that day. She had things to do. That babysitting job lasted well over 16 years because her mother didn't return, his mother didn't return. Miguel's grandmother was 53 years of age at the time, already living in pretty poor conditions, but now had to take care of a, a little baby, less than a year old, which forced her to go get another job just to buy the food and the, the necessities to take care of little Miguel. As Miguel began to grow up, he went to a, a particular school, but his grandmother didn't even have the, the means to, to buy the uniform and to, and to buy the, the necessities to go to school. And so she pulled him out of school, living in extreme poverty. One day, Miguel's grandmother heard about a church and a school on the other side of San Pedro that would more than likely allow Miguel to go to school. And so they made that trek, an hour's walk across the city to this school. She knocked on the door. They let her in and began to tell the story of where they were at and their need in their life and ask if Miguel could go to school. Of course, the answer was yes. And so when Miguel was eight years old, he began every single day an hour's trek across the city of San Pedro to go to school at the Latin America Child Care School. He would, there, he would go into class and he would have the opportunity to, to learn math and science and history and all of the things that all of the school children should have the opportunity to learn, but he also heard about Jesus Christ. He also heard the pastor of the church tell him that Jesus Christ loved him and had a plan for his life. He heard his teachers begin to pray at the beginning of class, and they would lift up needs, and, 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 and the friends, and the, the colleagues there, the classmates in school who would, who would uh, you know, just lift up Miguel. He began to grow still living in the same community. And in the same community, there was, there was gang violence, there was prostitution, there was drug abuse. And, and Miguel began to get involved in some of the gangs and alcoholism. He would always get up and go to school because he always felt that it was a safe place for him. He always knew that he would be accepted and loved. But when he came home, he would begin to get involved in these other things. And life began to kind of spiral out of control in his life but he never kept he never stopped going to school one day when he was 16 years old he had already he'd moved out of his grandma's house because his grandma couldn't put up with all of the things that he was doing but even as he left his grandma's house he always went to school always heard the message of Jesus Christ but one day after a particularly hard day, he was sitting outside the, the house 
the shanty hut of a, of a place where he was staying, and he had a big bottle of alcohol, and he was drinking, and he was already drunk. And he picked up a Bible, and he began to th- turn the pages, and he landed on a particular scripture and began to, to read about the fact that God loved him and gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for him. The fact that, that there, there was a plan that he was predestined to serve God, that he was predestined to, 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 to do great things for God. His tears were running down his cheeks, even in his drunken state. He looked down and he said, God, if what you say is true in this Bible, if what I read here is true, would you transform my life forever? And instantaneously, Miguel said that he was sober instantaneously. The next day he got up, went back to his grandma's house, told her what happened, went back to school, and his life began to be transformed incredibly. Began to talk to his pastor, and his pastor began to to disciple him. God, God placed a call of ministry on his life. His pastor recognized that. Began, even while he was in high school, began to attend Bible school. When he graduated Bible school, his pastor said there was a mission work not far out of town that he wanted Miguel to start pastoring, and Miguel began to start pastoring that church. He also began to do some mission work in the neighboring country. Dominican Republic is on an island and shares it with Haiti. If you know anything about the relationship between Dominican Republic and Haitians, they hate each other. Everything that happens bad in the Dominican Republic, immediately the Haitians are blamed. doesn't necessarily, it's true, it's just, it's, just, it's just what happens. But God began to do a work in Miguel's life, and God placed a missionary call on Miguel. And today, Miguel, the son of a prostitute, living in extreme poverty growing up, somebody who thought his life was over, Miguel is a missionary to the country of Haiti. I was with Miguel just a few weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about what was happening in his life. And he says, you know, Phil, he said, I really feel that God is calling me to go to the difficult places of the earth to be a missionary that God was moving him out of Haiti. Now, I don't, have, has anybody ever visited Haiti here this morning? If you don't think that the Haiti, living in Haiti, is one of the most difficult places to live, I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling, the poverty in the situation of Haiti. But Miguel says to me, he says, I really feel that God is calling me to go to the more difficult places. And he thinks that maybe God has called him to go to Mongolia as a missionary. But you know what? One of the amazing things is the Word of God. Even in a drunken state, the Word of God began to penetrate his heart. Not just what he had listened to and learned in school, not just what his pastor had talked to him about, but the fact that in a drunken state, he had the Word of God and he's reading it, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to work in his life. You saw a couple of pictures earlier 
of Miguel in the Dominican Republic there as he was ministering as a missionary. And even what's more amazing is that he helps us in some of the Latin American child care schools that we have in Haiti. You see, when, when, uh, when God places a call of ministry, when, when God allows us to help somebody and, and go into an area and, and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ, it only transforms their life, but it transforms the lives of literally hundreds of thousands of other people too because now Miguel is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Miguel's life, his story was changed because Jesus Christ changed his life. His life was headed down a path of death and destruction, but his story changed forever. How many know that Jesus Christ can change our stories? Jesus Christ can come into our life and transform it. When the world thinks our life is done, when the world thinks that we're headed down for just total death and destruction, Jesus Christ can come into our life and in an instant transform our life. Turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, I want to read a story out of the Word of God, beginning with verse 11. Luke 7, verse 11, and it says this, Soon afterward, he, talking about Jesus, went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, or the coffin, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother, and fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. God has visited his people. How amazing would it be if every single day of our life we realize that God will come and he will visit his people. Every day that we open our eyes, every breath that we take, God will visit his people if, he, if we will just allow him to do that. Picture this scene with me, if you will. Jesus, along with his disciples, or a large crowd, are getting ready to enter into the town of Nain. Now, we don't know exactly for how long that they had been traveling, making this trek across, across the, the desert terrain. We do know that they more than likely are tired because they had come from the city of Capernaum, which is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and they traveled to, 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 to Nain, which is on the southwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And if you look at the map, it doesn't look all that far, maybe, maybe 20 miles or so. And so it really doesn't, it doesn't think that it would be that tiring of a trip, of course, unless you're walking in sandals those 20 miles. So I imagine they're 
a little road weary, maybe looking forward to a time of rest and something to eat as they see the town of Nain approaching. But as they approach the gate, the entrance of the city, Jesus sees a large procession of people coming out of the city. And as the procession gets closer, as he sees what's happening, Jesus and those around him notice that, he is carrying, that they're carrying a coffin. And he comes to find out the story of this one that they're carrying, being a young son of a widowed mother, the only son. And I imagine in the, in the tradition of, of funerals, even until this day in the Middle East, when somebody dies, especially when it's an unfortunate death, there's a, a mourning process that is quite loud, and there's people as they walk with the casket, and they're beating their chest, and they're wailing, and they're crying out loud. But as the procession makes its way toward Jesus, they're not just mourning the death of this, this young boy, this young man, but for this widow, this widowed woman as well. You see, it's the death of a future, not just the future of her son, but the truth is, it's her future as well, because this only son was going to be the one who was going to take care of this widowed mother the remainder of her life. So not just a future, or not just a son had died, but a future had died. Dreams had died. Hope had died. Sometimes life can come crashing down all around us. The future looks, looks barren. The, the future looks bleak. And you, you think it's over. But the story isn't over. Because as they were carrying the body outside of the city to be buried, Jesus was walking their way. Death was walking one way, and Jesus was coming the other way. And when the procession arrived together with Jesus, life met death. And Jesus took death, and he breathed life back into it as well. He touched the coffin, the Bible says. He spoke words of life and restored to the mother what death had stolen from her. In an instant, life was restored. In an instant, a future was resurrected. In an instant, dreams were, were, were given back. In an instant, hope was breathed anew. And that's what's so incredible about the message of Jesus Christ. That's what's so incredible about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus can come into our life even when things look bleak, even when our hopes are dead, even when life is crumbling around us. And Jesus can come in and he can breathe life into our situation again and raise it up again. And for literally hundreds of thousands of children throughout Latin America and the Caribbean, although physically they're not dead, their future is lost. Dreams are buried. Hope is no longer a luxury that can be afforded them. Their circumstances have dictated death to them. But then Latin America Child Care steps in in partnership with the local church and the power of the cross, and we say, death must stop because your story isn't over. 
Let me ask you this morning, how many times has death been stopped in your life? How many times has Jesus come into your life and when things were just looking like that everything was crumbling around you, that your story, that your life, that your marriage, that your job was over, and all of a sudden Jesus comes in in the midst of sickness, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of ambitions that have been thrown to the side, in, in, in the midst of broken relationships, and Jesus enters the scene and he says, death must stop and breathes hope and life into our situation. Your story is rewritten. A life is renewed and restored because when God speaks life, death has to flee. When God speaks life, death has to flee. Every single year, a couple of times a year, uh, the children in our schools that have a have a sponsor. We do sponsorship in, the, in our schools as well. And with those that have a sponsor, they'll, they'll write a special letter, uh, even uh, if the sponsor hasn't written them, just to give them an update. And one year, the, the theme of that letter was, I love Jesus because. And the idea of the letter was for them just to write and tell their sponsor why they love Jesus, what Jesus had done in their life. And one of the girls in one of our schools in Haiti uh, who knew a little bit of English, and so she wanted to write her sponsor in, in English. Usually, they'll write it in, in uh, Spanish or in Haiti, it's French. In Brazil, it's Portuguese, but they'll write in their, uh, the, the language they speak, and then we'll translate it for the sponsor. But this little girl decided she wanted to try her hand at English. And she says, I love Jesus because I was sick and Jesus broke the coffin. Now, come to find out, she had a cold and a bad cough. And so that's what she was trying to get across, that Jesus had healed her of this bad situation, this bad cold that she had, this bad cough. But the truth is, is in a lot of our third world countries, especially in Haiti, a cough can land you in the coffin. Jesus broke her coffin. Jesus shattered the coffin that was eminent in her life. Can I tell you something? Jesus can shatter the coffin that's being built for you. Jesus can take that and breathe life into your, into your situation. Let me tell you another, about another little boy by the name of Danny Gonzalez from San Jose, Costa Rica. In fact, here's a picture of Danny when he was two years old. He's sitting alongside the, the house of his grandma. It's the little boy to, I guess it would be the left, right there. Danny lived in a community called Linda Vista. It's on the outskirts of San Jose, Costa Rica. Now, for those of you who understand Spanish, Linda Vista means beautiful view. But can I tell you something? There was nothing beautiful about Linda Vista. Linda Vista sits on the top of this mountain. It overlooks the city, the valley of San Jose. So the only beautiful view that you get is when you look outside of Linda Vista. But this is where Danny grew up. When he was five years old, his dad walked out of his life and never, he's never seen him again. Living with his grandma, his mother... And when he was five years old, after his dad walked away... His mom took him to our school, 
Escuela Cristiana de Linda Vista, the Christian school in Linda Vista. And he enrolled him in that school. And Danny began to learn how to read and write and do his numbers and all of the things that children that age do. Living in extreme poverty. When he was nine years old, again he'd heard about Jesus Christ. And this time he lifted his hand. He said, I want to accept Jesus as my my Lord and Savior. Now, one of the things about our schools, our teachers, is they encourage our students to dream, to let them know that God has something for them that's bigger than themselves. And one day, one of the teachers asked Danny, he said, Danny, what do you want to do when you grow up? He said, well, I want to be a professional soccer player. But I can't play soccer, so that's probably not going to happen, he said. He said, but, teacher said, but I know God has spoken to you about what he has for you. He says, yeah. He said, I want to become a medical doctor. And his teacher said, you know what, Danny? If God has called you to be a medical doctor, you'll be a medical doctor. If you remain faithful, if you'll study, if you'll, if you'll do what God has put into your heart, you'll become a medical doctor. Go out and he'd tell other people outside, neighbors and other people what, what he was going to be. He says, I'm going to be a medical doctor. And they would say, Danny, don't. Don't allow yourself to dream like that. Nobody from Linda Vista becomes a doctor. You'll either become a street vendor, you'll become a, a gardener, you'll, you'll, you'll become a day laborer, you'll work at construction, but you'll, you'll never become a doctor. Danny, don't allow yourself to dream so big and then, and then have your, your dreams crushed. Don't allow it. But his teachers continued to encourage him and inject hope into his life. Danny graduated from our school there, which time went to sixth grade and went on to high school, continued to serve God. When he was getting ready to graduate from high school, he heard about a political party that was offering 15 scholarships, full-ride scholarships to medical school. He made application along with about 250 other people. The news came. Danny got one of the scholarships. But then he found out it wasn't to study in Costa Rica, it was to go to Cuba. So he packed his bags and he went over to Cuba to begin to study medicine. Began to tell others about Jesus and what Jesus had done into his life, done, done in his life. He was reprimanded many times for evangelizing outside. He says, you're not here to be a, a preacher. You're here to study medicine. But by the time Danny was done with school in Cuba, he had won over 200 people to the Lord. He came back to San Jose after studying for five years in Cuba. And before he could begin to practice medicine in San Jose, he had to take a test an exam, a comprehensive exam. So he's there at the University of Costa Rica. He's sitting in a room with about 75 other people. They're all taking the test. It's taken hours to take this test. He hands it in. He feels good. He's, he's prepared for, for the test. He's studied. He feels really good, and he hands it in. And the word comes back that out of those 70 people, only one person passed the test. And it wasn't Danny. He was discouraged. He said, I know I studied for that test. I know I prepared for myself, that test. 
and began to think about what his next step was. He could take a test again in a couple of months, but and all of a sudden, word came from the administrator of the testing process that they needed to speak to Danny. So Danny came off the mountain of Linda Vista and went back to the University of Costa Rica and was sitting in front of the administrator there. And the administrator looked over at Danny and said, I want to let you know that there was fraud in the testing process. And the people who were grading the test when they heard that you were from Linda Vista, they said nobody from Linda Vista becomes a doctor. And they just failed him based on the fact of where he was from. And he said, but I want to let you know that you did pass the test. And he handed him his certificate. And this next picture is Danny sitting in the very same place. The house looks a little bit better. Very same place with his doctor's coat on. Today, this next picture will show you Danny did pretty good when he married this little lady right here. This is Danny in the school at Linda Vista. He's a medical doctor practicing, but he's also preparing himself to become a missionary. And he's getting ready to leave to go to Europe as a missionary. Let me ask you a question. What dream has God dropped into your life? Maybe a dream that you haven't, you haven't seen it become to reality. I'm here to tell you this morning, your story isn't over. Your story isn't over. Because if God has birthed it in your life, he will see it become a reality. As you are faithful to him and the purpose that God has called you to, God will see it. They built a coffin for Miguel. God broke the coffin. They built a coffin for Danny. God broke that coffin, gave him purpose, gave him life, being used in an incredible way. Death and destruction were destroyed because Jesus stepped into their situation. And that's what the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ can do in the lives of not only those children that we minister, but in your life as well this morning. No matter what you're facing, no matter what, what challenges come your way, the power of the message of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, can break situations in your life.